God of truth and right, amen? That's good. Well, 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 take your Bible, turn over to the book of Psalm, chapter 33. Again, yesterday was the 4th of July, Independence Day, and so the message is going to be kind of focused in that direction, and I got a couple of things I want to touch on. I'm going to look a little bit of history, and then I want to kind of, you know, kind of draw an application out of that, if I could, just for a moment, real small, real short, obviously, like I say, uh, record time this morning, record time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just amazing, really. I even surprised myself. So anyway, um, <clears throat> we're going to look at, like I say, the history. Then we're going to take, kind of just make an application. Then I want to focus it back on you and I uh, in the end, because that's where it all lies, really, in the end, is on each of us. And so nonetheless, Psalm chapter 33, verse 12, we read in that particular passage, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. How did it become Independence Day? I mean, what, what really brought that all to be? And I know that probably a number of you know the history behind it, but let me just kind of summarize it for just a moment. Great Britain, of course, had tried to, I guess, require the colonists to follow certain rules and pay higher taxes. And, of course, uh, and they were struggling with all of that. They grew very weary, uh, weary with that treatment. And as a result, they chose to establish their own laws, their, to govern themselves, to become independent from Great Britain. 
The Congress met in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at which point they appointed the committee to write a formal document that would inform Great Britain of this desire to govern themselves. Well, the committee asked Thomas Jefferson to write a draft. Well, he worked tirelessly for days, and he did this in total privacy, total secret, until finally one day he finalized the document, and in his perspective, or from his perspective, it was comprehensive. It was complete. He thought he had hit a home run, if you will, and I think he did a pretty good job. But on June the 28th, 1776, the committee met to read over Jefferson's document. They found it to be good, but still needing greater clarification, they revised it, and they ultimately declared their independence on July the 2nd, 1776. They officially adopted it on July 4th, 1776. And of course, that's why we call it Independence Day. It's a day that we declared independence from Great Britain. Now, the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's a pretty powerful statement. That's, a, oh, that's just something we can't overlook. After all of these years, in light of our nation's history, it's evident that God's hand of strength and providence has been unmistakable. It's been undeniable. I don't know that you can look at our country or our nation any other way if you are honest and non-biased. The signers of the Declaration were convinced that God would have America to be a free country because of their undying love, uh, both for God and that particular country that they were trying to create, I believe today, as a result, we have the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Now, again, I understand we're in, a, we're in a climate today where there's a lot of people claiming that there's a lot of injustice in our nation. And by the way, uh, there's always been injustice in our nation, so I'm not going to argue that. There's always been issues. There's always been difficulties. There's always been problems. But let me tell you this. As I look at everything in general... I do not see people leaving America for greater opportunity in other nations. I see them still fighting to get into ours. And all I'm saying is, is that America is still a great nation. And again, no matter what the problems we face, no matter what the circumstances we are dealing with, we have the opportunity in America to accomplish things if we'll take that opportunity and make the best of it. Yes, change is going to come. Change always comes. Change comes in churches. It comes in marriages. It comes in lives. And I trust that all change will be for the better, not the worse. But blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The signers of this declaration or this document, they chose to stand against what they considered tyranny. And as a result of that, they experienced great persecution they, endured, they, they had to endure great sacrifice at the hand of, the, of Great Britain. Their willingness to take action and to sacrifice both life and limb resulted in the establishment of this country in which we now live. These men had had a great vision. And vision's important, and it's so, so necessary. But we can never forget this fact. A vision without a plan is just a dream. These men and women of our nation were willing to lay their lives on the line for what they believed. As Americans, we can be proud of our heritage of courage and faith. There's been much debate over the last few decades as to the degree of religious expression permitted under the First Amendment 
and concerning the perceived limits of the separation of church and state. It's a constant battle, isn't it? And as a result, the Christian faith has been steadily attacked by critics. And any reference to it has been systematically moved from the public domain. We're in a battle today. What a travesty. What a, what a horrible situation we find ourselves when we watch as professing patriots of our day busy themselves about the work of destroying the very foundation by which our great nation was established. It's tragic uh, to witness the principles and truth that so governed the minds of the find, founding fathers be diminished and even desecrated by those who claim to champion freedom in our day. Oh, that those that would dismiss the influence of Christ and faith in our society, if only they would listen to the voices of the past. If only they could again hear from the grave. On April the 18th, 1775, John Hancock stated, We recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. John Adams, and he's here with us today. Oh, no, that's the wrong John Adams. <laughs> he stated, the general principles upon which the fathers achieve independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. At the, con at the conventional, excuse me, the Constitutional Convention, Thursday, June 28, 1787, Benjamin Franklin made this statement. He said, in the beginning of the contest with Britain, when we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayers in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard. They were graciously answered. Do we imagine we no longer need his assistance? In May of 1765, during his speech to the House of Burgesses, Patrick Henry proclaimed, It cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. It's not interesting. Inscribed on the walls of the Jefferson Memorial in the nation's capital are these words, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties were a, are a gift from God, that they are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. While speaking to the General Assembly of the state of Virginia, James Madison stated, we have staked the whole future of America civilization, not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of our, all our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. <laughs> that do anything for you? James Wilson, who was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, Supreme Court Justice, appointed by George Washington and spoke 168 times during the Constitutional Convention, he simply put it this way. Christianity is part of the common law. 
Now, Christianity is based on God and on the Lord Jesus Christ. So to remove God from a culture, to remove God from our society, is to remove common law then. If indeed what he says is true. And he should know better than you and I. James Wilson, who was a signer of the Declaration, excuse me, I just read that one. George Washington, who is often called the father of our country, could be found in prayer and communion with God. Found in a 24-page authentic handwritten manuscript book dated April 21st through 23rd, 1752, we find a portion of George Washington's personal prayers. O most glorious God in Jesus Christ, my merciful and loving Father, I acknowledge and confess my guilt and the weak and imperfect performance of the duties of this day. I've called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of my sins, but so coldly and carelessly that my prayers are become my sin, and they stand in need of pardon. Now there's a spiritually sensitive person. I have sinned against heaven. Did you just hear what he said, by the way? He said that his very prayers have become the reason he needs pardon, because they're so cold and calloused, because he just simply states them without really any feeling or fervency. I have sinned, he goes on to say, against heaven and before thee in thought, word, and deed. I have condemned thy majesty and holy laws. I have likewise sinned by omitting what I ought to have done and committing what I ought not. I have rebelled against the light, despising thy mercies and judgment, and broken my vows and promise. I have neglected the better things. My iniquities are multiplied, and my sins are very great. I confess them, O Lord, with shame and sorrow, detestation and loathing and desire to be vile in my own eyes, as I have rendered myself vile in thine. I humbly beseech thee to be merciful to me in the free pardon of my sins for the sake of thy dear Son and only Savior. Jesus Christ, who come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Thou gavest thy son to die for me. He goes on to say, make me to know what is acceptable in thy sight, and therein to delight. Open the eyes of my understanding and help me thoroughly to examine myself concerning my knowledge, faith, and repentance. Increase my faith and direct me to the true object, Jesus Christ the way the truth, and the life. Although many would have us believe that God and faith have no place in the public domain, the very voices of our founding fathers still cry from their graves as to a testimony of this, that the Bible, God, and faith were foundational in establishing and preserving our great nation. It's obvious, it's clear. There's no way around it. However, there has been a concerted effort over the years to rewrite and even reshape history in this area. I mean, the new narrative removes God and faith from the ideals and ideology of the founding fathers. This is clear. It's obvious. It provides a storyline of national greatness without God. But the very quotes that we have shared today as well as many others that you could read or find anywhere else you choose. They continue to be a thorn in the flesh of those who seek to remove both the testimony of the founding fathers as well as the God they loved. So they've sought to remove any mention of God, any mention of the Bible or faith from the schools, 
from monuments, courtrooms, and the public domain. You know, this proved to be effective only to a degree, and you guess what? It wasn't far enough. It did not meet their satisfaction. So the assault continues. Now we have resorted to removing the very memory of our founding fathers. That's the next step. Now, since we can't do away with their beliefs, let's do away with them. The truth is that you cannot remove God from the story of our nation as long as the founding fathers have a voice. So remove their voice by removing them. See, monuments of our founding fathers are now being removed. Someone may say, well, it's about time. They were bigoted. They were racist. But see, I'm not going to sit and debate their values, their views of slavery, or even whether or not they were racist. But I will tell you this, that Satan doesn't care about you, me, or anyone else. His only concern is for himself and his cause. His only desire is to take as many to hell with him as he possibly can. He is an equal opportunity destroyer. And the only thing he cares about is defeating God. Removing our founding fathers from the history books, or for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that it's going to go a long way to removing God from our nation. And that is the real issue. I am a Bible believer. I am a child of God. I still believe that God, in his word, wants this book taken to the far ends of the world. The United States of America is a great nation, I believe, primarily for one reason. Because the United States of America was willing to propagate and to take this book around the world. And the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men, all women, whomever they were, anywhere on this globe. Our heritage includes a heavy dose of God and that will be undermined by removing those who voice their faith and hope in him during the tender years of our budding nation. Our nation was founded on God. They can't get rid of that unless they rewrite history. They can't get rid of that unless they do away with the very founders that put the Constitution in place. And I'm concerned today that that's indeed what Satan's goal is, is to remove any memory of the founding fathers because they couldn't get rid of their, their beliefs, so now they get rid of them, and Satan has a victory in that. The Bible and biblical principles, God, those were all things our nation was founded on. Again, remove the voice of the founding fathers and you essentially remove God. Remove God and you remove hope from our nation. In Psalm chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I mean, we're talking about removing the very foundation of our nation. The very laws, the very constitution that provides us to, to interact the way we do and to even to disagree the way we do in a culture and a society in which we have, those are things that were literally put in there by these founding fathers. We cannot remove one thing in hopes of accomplishing a goal and not remove it all. 
You can't pick and choose what part of their beliefs that you want to maintain. We are going to remove God. And if we remove God, there would be no common law, the Bible said, the, 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 the founder said. Common law. You can't rewrite history in one area and not affect the whole history. Listen, I'm, I'm for God remaining in the spotlight. That's what I'm for. Amen. I'm for God being promoted in our culture and our society. Amen. And in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. We know the story. We know the account. We know that the children of Israel had gone into Egypt, and they grew in Egypt, and God blessed them and prospered them in a mighty way. There came a point that a king arrived on the scene that said, Joseph who? Who? I don't know any Joseph. I don't know what contribution he made to our nation. I don't know what good he did on our behalf. All I know is that this people are going to overrun us and we're going to be in a bad mess. Let's do away with the memory of Joseph completely. I don't know him. I don't want anybody else to know him. And I don't want the children of Israel to in any way prosper. But can I tell you, when that king forgot Joseph... It didn't turn out good for anybody. It didn't turn out good for the children of Israel, and it didn't turn out good for the nation of Egypt. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a king that one day will sit on the throne in America, so to speak, and he will know not God. Let me tell you, when you remove God out of our nation, and you remove God out of our politics, you remove God out of our social system, you take God out of anything, and I promise you, it's going to be worse off than ever. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I, um, let's see here. I'm going to find somebody to give me a hand here. Let's see here. I, I would ask one of the Adams men to help me, but they've got a lot of money. They're missionaries. <laughs> Don't need any of this. You, come on up here. He was a bunch of trouble when he was here last time. I'm hoping they've gotten him straightened out. Come on up, buddy. Now, you can read, right? I'm just checking. I just wanted to make sure real quick. I got a dollar bill here, okay? And I want you to read something on the dollar bill for me. Now, forgive me for forgetting your first name. What was it again? Granger. Granger, okay. Will you read that for me, Granger? What's that say? In God we trust. Read that again, would you? In God we trust. All right, one more time, but really loud. In God we trust. Hmm, that says that right on our currency. Yeah. It says right on that dollar bill. I think you'd find it that says that on other bills too. Amen. Thank you. Great job. Give him a hand. Good job. Granger just got a buck. Now, I'd like to tell you you could buy a lot with that, but probably not. I also have here in my hand, yeah, you get a pop. Yeah, it's good. You get a dollar, dollar menu maybe. In the mornings, you can get a sausage biscuit at McDonald's for a dollar. So anyway, here you go. I got a quarter here. I'm looking at it right on the face. And of course, it looks like that's George Washington's, I think it's his face. I'm not sure. It's actually a side shot. Looks like George to me. Mr. Washington, excuse me. In God, we trust. It says right on there. In God, we trust. Isn't that something? 
in God we trust, right on that quarter. That's what it says now, at least now. Some years ago, the George Washington dollar debuted. It was, a, it was quite a while ago, but in March of that same year, MSNBC had a report out of Philadelphia, and it stated, an unknown number of new George Washington dollar coins were mistakenly struck without their edge inscriptions, including, in God we trust, and are fetching around $50 a piece online. See, the, proper, the, the property struck dollar, excuse me, the properly struck dollar coins bearing the likeness of the nation's first president are inscribed along the edge with, in God we trust, and E pluribus unum, and the year and mint mark. Now, the flawed coins made it past the inspectors, and they went into circulation. A spokesman from the Mint said that it was unknown how many of those coins lacked the inscription. Ron Guth, president of a professional coin grading service, one of the world's largest coin authentication companies, he said, he, he said that he believed that at least 50,000 error coins were put in circulation. Now, of course, steps were taken to correct the so-called oversight. But can I tell you that, and again, I'm not really a, a conspiracy theorist kind of person. I try not to be. I, I mean, I really do try to be careful. But you know what? In light of our present climate, even back then, a number of years ago, our climate toward God and faith and the frenzy of, uh, that was being brought about in our country to remove God from the public domain, I'm not so sure that this wasn't done on purpose. You say, ah, no way. I'm just saying, I, I wonder sometimes if we didn't send up somewhat of a balloon, if you will, to kind of see how people would respond to something that didn't have in God we trust. What would be the outcry, if any? See, the success of our nation is dependent upon that phrase. In God we trust. The founding fathers were convinced of it, and you and I must be as well. Right. Psalm 33, 12, we've mentioned it a number of times, but blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Any casual observer can see the handwriting on the wall in America. Right. We're still the greatest nation on earth as far as prosperity and opportunity, but that is quickly changing, and it will continue to change the more we remove God from our country. The more we exalt materialism, the more we exalt humanism, the more we elevate individualism, God himself is going to be lost in the quagmire of it all. America's greatness depends upon our dependency on God. I wonder, will we honor the inscription in God we trust? Now let's turn our attention to you and I, individuals. Because really that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, we can point our fingers at our government. We can point it at our social descent. We can point it at peoples. We can point our finger at everybody and anything we want, but when it's all said and done, it all comes back to us. They say the buck stops here. A moment ago, we spoke about those coins that had escaped the mint without saying, in God, we trust on them. So I want to ask you a question. And here's my question. If you were a coin, could we read, in God we trust on you? I mean, could those around you tell that you are God's property? 
Is it obvious that he's preeminent in your life? Is there any doubt in their mind that God plays a preeminent, prioritized role in your marriage, in your home? I mean, do they see in God we trust on you every day at work, in school, or out in the community? I wonder, are you even saved? I mean, do you even know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord? The Bible tells us that mankind obviously is inherently evil. And I say obviously because I don't think you have to look too far to see sin. Even in our own lives, if we're honest, we can see it like that. That we are by nature wicked is obvious. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited and pretty pleased to say, but surely he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I'm glad today that he laid the iniquity, my iniquity, on Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, he walked these dusty trails of Galilee and he allowed himself to be hurt and harmed and abused. He submitted himself to his very creation. They rejected him. And there he hung on Calvary between heaven and earth, shedding his precious perfect blood, paying the awful price for my sin. I can tell you today that I am so happy that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm so happy that my sin has been forgiven by the precious, perfect blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad today that it's not dependent upon me, but it's all Jesus Christ. In our nation today, we seek to remove the very God that gives us liberty, eternal liberty, soul liberty. And that will not turn out well for anybody. What about the souls of mankind? Put another fish on the table, another hamburger in the mouth. What about a soul that will die and go to hell? Remove any semblance of God and faith and purpose. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I'm concerned today for America. Yeah, we got a lot of problems. We got issues. There's always been problems. There's always been issues, and they'll always be here. My concern is that we are trying to remove God. And unfortunately, this seems to be one more step that Satan is using to undermine the God that we serve. There's always someone at the helm. There's always someone steering the ship. This is not just happening today. The God of this world, little g God, is in control whether we want to admit it or not because that's what God allows. He's in control of the world system. We serve a God bigger than Satan. Yes. 
May we be able to see through this demonic blind, this demonic um, veil that's blinding us. It doesn't matter whether or not the intentions are good. It doesn't matter whether or not people are honestly trying to do what's best in their minds. We have to remember what the real issues are that God himself is the one on trial here in America, that he's the one that's being attacked, and he's the one that we're trying to get rid of as a whole. I want to encourage you in your life now. What will you do with him? Will you allow him to pay for your sin if you're lost without Christ? Will you allow him to be seated on the throne of your life? Will you receive and accept him as the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Number two, if you're a child of God, is, is in God we trust inscribed on you? We get so upset. Look what they're doing to God in our country. Look what's taking place. They're removing God out of the courtroom. They're removing God out of the schools. They're removing God out of our culture. And then we stand by and let God be removed from our lives. We just hand him over. There's, I'm sorry, God, we don't have time nor the space for you here. It's not convenient for me now. I have my own goals, my own plans, my own desires. I deserve some happiness, God. In God we trust. Is that written on you today? Can your coworkers see it? Does your wife, your husband recognize it? Do your children come face to face with it every day? Your friends, your family, your acquaintances. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, though, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. What are we going to do with God? What are we going to do with him? I told you, record time. The question is, what are you going to do? You say, well, the, the world we live in is crazy. Well, what about your life? And can I tell you, you take God out of the culture, the world is going to be upside down. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be calling good evil and evil good. You take God out of your life, out of your marriage, and out of your home, the same thing's going to happen. So what are you going to do about it? Let's for a while stop watching what's going on out there and having an opinion about it. Let's start looking at our own lives and start coming to some conclusions based on the Word of God. Let's get some things right in our own lives, our own marriages, and our own homes before we go trying to fix everybody and everything else. I don't know about you, but I love that passage. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You got in God, you, God we trust written on you? Settle that today, would you? Make up your mind, you'll be his, that you're going to trust him. And if you're lost today, won't you become part of his family by receiving and accepting him? Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. We, we know, Lord, that the world we live in, is, it's got its problems. But Lord... We may or may not be able to solve those problems today, but what we can do is address our problems. We can deal with our family. We can deal with our marriage and our homes. We can deal with our church. I pray, Lord, that we'd be honest today as we look at our lives. Do those around us see in God we trust written all over us?
Lord, if there be any that are without you today, may they see the need to trust and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Bless us in this time of invitation, Lord. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.